Oh, 
Parampara, our disciplic succession, is one of a labor of love. Krishna tells in Bhagavad Gita, Yada yadahi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata abhyutanam dharmasya dadatmanam srijamyam that he descends into this world again and again in so many manifestations, so many incarnations, with so many names, performing so many leelas, all for the purpose of giving people who have gone astray, who have rejected him, the opportunity to rediscover their original natural happiness. Krishna's descending into this world in itself from the very beginning of creation are pastimes of labors of love. And where Krishna spoke this verse in Kurukshetra within the Bhagavad Gita the very purpose of the Bhagavad Gita, on one level, is to convince Arjuna to, an offer, to offer a labor of love. What Krishna was asking Arjuna to do was the very most difficult thing that Arjuna ever had to do in all of his life. Actually, here in London, 
Srila Prabhupada <coughs> extensively gave classes on the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita, explaining this. And Arjuna performed that labor of love for Krishna's pleasure. And Krishna's pleasure is always Sudhidam Sarava Bhutanam. What is the ultimate best welfare for all living beings? Krishna tells in Gita, Bhaktaram Yagatapasam Sarvalokam Heshwaram Suhradam Sarvabhutanam Gyatvamam Shantim Rechjati. One can achieve peace when one understands that the Supreme Lord is the proprietor of everything that exists. And everything ultimately finds its deepest fulfillment in offering whatever we have, little or much, in the service of the Lord. Why? Because God, Krishna, is the ever well-wishing friend of every living being. If we think of it that way, Sarvasya Jaham Ridini Shalivishto, that Krishna is within the heart of every living being. He never leaves us. Doesn't matter what we do, what we don't do. And if we consider within our own life some of the things we've done, some of the things we've said, just in this little span of life, what to speak of past. We think about the different types of people that are living in this world and have lived in this world. It's quite a labor of love to never leave that person's heart. Krishna is forever within our heart, seated right beside our eternal soul as our ever-well-wisher. Just waiting for us to turn to him. So much so that Krishna himself, after performing his beautiful Vrindavan pastimes to attract the world into his the most intimate, sweetest, loving leelas for all eternity, he descended as Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And when Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu established his Sankirtan movement, he did it in such a way to set such an example. It was a labor of love. His Guru Maharaj, Srila Ishwarapuri, at the time of his initiation, he told Lord Gauranga that you should, you should spread the Sankirtan movement of the chanting of the holy names. And Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he actually <coughs> never really preached openly until he got that message. He took the order of his guru as his life and soul. 
After receiving that instruction, he came back to Navadweep and established such a wonderful movement of Sankirtan. And this disciplic line of this compassion, labor of love and compassion, he instructed Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur go to every house, to every shop, to every bathing ghat, to every person, and give them this simple message. Chant the names of Krishna. Remember Krishna. Worship Krishna. Krishna is your mother. Krishna is your father. Krishna is your true wealth. Krishna is your life and soul. Tell everyone this. It's such a labor of love. Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur. Haridas is Lord Brahma. Nityananda is Balaram. But they're going to the most common people. And it's explained that they would go to the house of someone and beg them. Please just take the name of Krishna. And sometimes people were very antagonistic, atheistic, and mean. They'd spread nasty rumors that these two people are actually thieves. They're coming in the guise of sadhus. But actually they're coming to our house or seeing what's in our house and their whole purpose is to later on come and rob us. Sometimes they would say blasphemous words toward them. And Lord Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur would get on their knees with tears of compassion. Beg them, please, please take the name of Krishna. And that culminated with Jagaya and Madhai who actually attempted to kill Lord Nityananda Prabhu. They chased after him at one time. They threw a pot in Nityananda Prabhu's head. He's bleeding profusely. And Nityananda Prabhu, he was looking at them with tears, not due to pain of his body, but pain of his compassion to them. And whatever you've done to me, it's all right. doesn't matter. But please take the name of Krishna. <laughs> they would bow at the feet of the most materialistic people begging them to take Krishna's names. Only for their own happiness. <laughs> Such a labor of love. And after millions and millions of people of Navadweep began to taste the sweetness of love of God, Prema Bhakti, Lord Chaitanya was thinking of the most unfortunate. And to reach them, he took sannyas. His wife was hardly 16 years old. He had the most 
She was so loving. She was the goddess of fortune. And his mother was the most... She, she sacrificed everything in her whole life for her child. And he was the only... The only thing left in her family. He left all his friends. He left his home. He became a sannyasi. He shaved his beautiful head. It's a labor of love. Just to reach all of us. And Vishnu Priya and Sachi Devi, such a labor of love that they gave their full heart felt blessings for him to do it because they understood his compassion to all living beings. In the next generation, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the six Goswamis, Sri Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, Raghunathas Goswami, they were so wealthy, so famous. They had everything the material world could possibly offer. But after they met Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and they witnessed his compassion, how he took sannyas to spread the message of Krishna, pure love of Krishna, they gave up royal palaces, the wealth of practical billionaires, and lived under different trees every night in Vrindavan the banks of river and forests. For one reason only, to fulfill the mission of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He instructed them, go to Vrindavan, establish temples, establish deity worship, extract the essence of all the scriptures, the pure love of the Brijabhasis, and write books, and by your own example, show what a Vaishnava could be. And reveal the holy places of Krishna's abode. So to fulfill that simple instruction, the six Goswamis, what they did, Sanatana Goswami, it's not that he could just leave. He was arrested. He was put in prison. He had to escape from prison. He had to go bring, to Vrindavan through the most dangerous jungles and back, back pathways. <coughs> to assist Lord Chaitanya in his mission of compassion. And they did it with such joy. In fact, they were in ecstasy. Because the ecstasy of the heart is in giving pleasure to Krishna. In the mood of the gopis, they lived in Vrindavan. And then Narottam Das Thakur, Srinivasacharya, Shamananda, Goswami, they were students. Thakur Narottam was also... <coughs> He was meant to be a king, he was a prince, 
but he left home. What a labor of love that was. He was crying and crying to Lord Chaitanya, please, how can I serve you? And Lord Chaitanya appeared to him in a dream and said, go to Brindavan. <laughs> so in the middle of the night, he just left home. And he had nothing. He was all alone. In those days, there were no trains or planes or buses. He was just walking through forests where there was not a single human being. Tigers, lions, snakes, mosquitoes. He was just alone walking through the day, through the night. And there he met Shiva Goswami, his, his guru Lokanath Goswami. And after studying for some time, they gave him the Goswami's books and said, bring these to Bengal so that they could be copied. Because in Vrindavan it was simple forest. What a difficulty that was. Traveling with ox carts full of books through jungles. They were all stolen, threats to their lives, but they did it gladly, happily, to assist the mission of the Lord. It was what Jiva Goswami and the Goswamis asked them to do. In fact, Nityananda Prabhu, he traveled to holy places for about 20 years, <coughs> and it is described he never, he never preached until he got the order of Lord Chaitanya. Then he took that order as his life and soul, and every moment, that's all he did, was spread bhakti. <clears throat> this is our parampara. Generations later, Thakur Bhakti Vinod, his beloved Guru Jagannath Das Babaji Maharaj really wanted Lord Chaitanya's birthplace to be revealed. So Thakur Bhakti Vinod, in order to establish the true birthplace, he did years of research. When he found it, there were death threats because you know, people didn't like that. And Bhaktivedanta Thakur, who was such a cultured scholar, Paramhamsa, he actually begged door to door for one paisa at a time, maybe even one rupee, house after house, to somehow or other collect enough to build a little temple in Lord Chaitanya's birthplace. Such a labor of love. <clears throat> and to fulfill Bhaktivinoda Thakur's mission, who wrote so many incredible volumes of literatures and songs and prayers, established printing presses, and then Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he took that as his life and soul. Bhaktivinoda Thakur entrusted him with the instruction to expand Lord Chaitanya's mercy. 
in Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He crashed through every type of barrier of sectarian misconceptions and established Krishna consciousness for everybody. Established 64 mats or temples in many places he was getting death threats but he gladly executed the order of his guru and his father such love and then in 1922 Ultadonga Junction Road in Calcutta our Abhai Charan who we honor and worship as Srila Prabhupada. He first met his guru. And at that moment he got the instruction. Take the message of Lord Chaitanya, the teachings of Bhagavad Gita in its purest, truest sense to the whole world in the English language. What he was asking Srila Prabhupada was something so different from what Srila Prabhupada, he was a Gandhian at the time, fighting for freedom of India. <coughs> he said, real freedom is freedom from birth, old age, disease, and death. Politics and regimes of governments are always changing, but the eternal nature of the soul is loving service to Krishna. There is no time to waste. And Srila Prabhupada would tell, I am happy to say that my guru defeated me. (laughs) He took that order as his life and soul and he had no means. He had a family but he was preparing. And in 1959, he went to Brindavan to live such a simple life, Radha Dhammadarta. Why? Very rare, practically inconceivable. Everyone who was going to Brindavan was going on a pilgrimage or going there to spend the last years of their lives. Srila <coughs> Prabhupada went there to prepare for this labor of love. I'm using this word, labor of love, because that's what Jaini Tai Prabhu advertised this class to be. <laughs> it's hard to say it was a labor, but it was certainly a sacrifice of love. to spread the message of his Guru Maharaj, to print books, to publish books, to preach this message in the Western world. What a sacrifice Prabhupada made to print the Back to Godhead magazine. He would write the articles, he would type it himself. He was the only distributor. 
need to take third-class trains from Mathura to Delhi. His beautiful home in Vrindavan, he was going to the city of Delhi. He would have to beg, beg for paper, beg the publishers to not charge him anything until he could sell them. Sometimes he would get heat stroke and fall unconscious, and other times he was stabbed by bulls in the road. He just kept going. He had no followers. And in 1965, he left Vrindavan. He went to Mumbai and went to Sumati Maharaji's office. She was the owner of a line of cargo ships. She was a Vaishnav of the Pushti Mark, the body of Krishna. He was begging, give me a passage to New York. She said, no, Swamiji, you will die. What to speak of the 38-day voyage through oceans and seas, unpredictable weather. She said, when you go to the America, the winters are so cold. Swamiji, you will die. She refused. I cannot be responsible. But he sat on her steps of her office and wouldn't leave until she gave a ticket. She would send out her secretary, Swamiji, please take some prasad. No, I will not take prasad until I get a ticket. <laughs> what can she do? She gave him a ticket. <laughs> and he traveled by train to Calcutta. He went to Mayapur to his Guru Samadhi. And that, you know, such an impossible mission that nobody has ever done in the history of the world. He was quite old. He boarded the MV Javaduta. And from the King George dockyards in Calcutta, Friday the 13th of August, the ship departed, 1965. <coughs> and in the harbor of Cochin, sitting on the deck of the Jaladuta, Srila Prabhupada observed his 69th birthday, all alone on this boat, just about to leave India for the West. And I was in there, there at the Cochin Harbor that the boxes of Srimad Bhagavatam that were printed in Delhi somehow or other were put on board the ship. And we know the pastime Srila Prabhupada later on here in London, 
he would explain when he was on the Jaladutta in the Arabian Sea. Sometimes there were storms and high waves. And Prabhupada said, I felt like I was in a little matchbox, just being tossed by the waves of the sea, with the rains and the winds. He endured intense seasickness. And from that seasickness, he had two major heart attacks. There was no doctors, no medicine, no family. It's a cargo ship. It was just one little cabin for somebody to stay. Otherwise, it was just the, the, the crew and the captain. And Srila Prabhupada wrote in his diary how he was feeling so much separation from Vrindavan and his Radha Damodar, Radha Madan Mohan, Radha Govinda. so far from Vrindavan you know, where he was heading but he said but I'm very happy because I'm executing the order of my spiritual master and his order is the fulfillment of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission that love for Krishna and Krishna's name be spread through every town and village in the world So here he's beginning his mission on a boat, still several oceans and continents away, just having heart attacks. But he was happy. He wrote, I'm happy. Because <laughs> I'm carrying on the parampara of compassion. And then his arrival in New York City First, when he saw Boston, it was nothing like that existed in India. And we saw yesterday at the, what was it called? The spectacular? Krishna Spectacular. <laughs> we saw so many beautiful renditions and dramatic um, offerings which revealed Srila Prabhupada's compassion. He was begging Krishna, let me be your puppet. Give me the words. And Prabhupada writes in his prayers, give me the words to under so that they will understand your message. And then they will be happy. Srila Prabhupada simply wanted everyone to be happy, but true happiness, not the flickering happiness that causes distress of the mind and senses, but the happiness of the soul. Oh, happiness of the soul is only in experiencing Krishna's love and loving Krishna. Like watering the root of a tree, when Krishna is satisfied, we become truly happy we could actually make others truly happy. Srila Prabhupada 
in some talks he gave, he describes when he was first in Butler, Pennsylvania. It wasn't really a place to start a movement. I believe 99.999% of all devotees in the world would have never heard of Butler, Pennsylvania unless Prabhupada went there. Even people in Pennsylvania don't know where Butler is. <laughs> so that was kind of his destiny. And somehow or other, he got a sponsorship from someone in Butler, so that's where he had to go. Legally, he had to go there. And when he arrived, Srila Prabhupada, those weeks he was in Butler, he explained, just like you can take one grain of rice from a pot of, where you're boiling rice, and if you can test that one grain and understand how all the other grains are. So he he was coming to preach to the Western people. And actually, as far as we know, before he arrived in Butler, Pennsylvania, he never met a Western person in his life. (laughs) Except maybe some British people in India. But he studied very carefully Sally Agarwal. (laughs) (laughs) Studied her. (laughs) How do they think? Why do they think? What are their values? How do they live? Because he wanted to communicate. You can't communicate unless you understand people. Srila Prabhupada was, he, he was so compassionate. Here he is, a great scholar, a great, the greatest of Paramahamsa saints from Brindavan. And he's studying this lady who has meat in her refrigerator. <laughs> She's just a tough, just an ordinary materialistic American. And she fell in love with Prabhupada. She considered him more than her own father because he was just so open-hearted and compassionate and kind. Srila Prabhupada, he saw the, the refrigerator filled with meat. He was living at a YMCA hotel, which is really a cheap place. And he would have to walk several miles to get to their house to cook every day. So how he didn't tell them, get rid of your meat. Because who is he? He's a guest in their house. He said, let me cook for you every day. <laughs> And he cooked wonderful feast of prasad for them every day. And he said, you know, I need the space of your refrigerator. (laughs) So they got rid of all their meat. He was cooking for them every day. And he was seeing so many of the things how Americans live. He was just learning and learning and learning so that his message would be accessible. 
and then such a risk. He left there where there was some shelter, <coughs> some help, and he went to New York City by bus. And he said, he said in some classes later that I was, I was homeless, loitering like a vagabond with no money and no friend. Month after month after month, why did he stay? Every now and then, he, you know, he'd get somebody to let him stay with them, and then he, sometimes he was kicked out, and sometimes his life was threatened, and sometimes everything he had was stolen. He just kept going. Then <coughs> His Holiness Mukunda Goswami Maharaj and Her Grace Janaki Devi, they helped Prabhupada get a little storefront. And, a very, very downtrodden neighborhood in New York City. And Prabhupada would sit under a tree in Tompkins Square Park. He didn't have a murdanga. He would just chant. Somebody gave him an old bongo drum. And he would just play to do do chant Hare Krishna. Speaks speaks a message of the essence of Bhagavad Gita in this park. And Tompkins Square Park is not like um, it's not like Hyde Park. It's a place where homeless people, downtrodden drug addicts. That's the area it's in. Even today. <coughs> Prabhupada would sit under a tree and play his murtanga. People would come and he'd teach them how to dance. <laughs> and he'd sing, and this way he started his movement. And then Mukunda Goswami Maharaj was then Mukunda Das and Janaki after they were initiated. And come to San Francisco. when Srila Prabhupada came to San Francisco at the end of 1966, beginning of 1967. He was greeted by Her Grace Malati Devi, Shamsundar Prabhupada, Her Grace Yamuna Devi and Guru Das Prabhupada, and of course, Bhakundar Goswami and Janaki. <coughs> and such a labor of love, how to spread this movement, how to break the ice of Haight-Ashbury. So there was that famous mantra rock dance. Now, some of us, we would have enjoyed it. <laughs> but for Prabhupada, it was really a labor of love. <laughs> He's now like 71 years old. He's never seen anything like this. He comes in and there's strobe lights beaming on him and all these kind of you know, psychedelic, <coughs> semi-obscene light shows on the walls. And people are dressed in all kinds of crazy ways and they're all crowded in this Avalon ballroom and these rock and roll bands are playing with them massively volume amplifiers playing rock and roll music and 
thoughts there. And Allen Ginsberg was definitely an experience in himself. <laughs> but Prabhupada charmed his heart. Actually, last year I, I studied, as far as I know how to study, I tried to study carefully what really, in my heart, revealed Prabhupada's spirit of compassion in a two-and-a-half-hour talk that Srila Prabhupada had with Allen Ginsberg in Columbus, Ohio, in 1969. And there we... Prabhupada... Allen Ginsberg was such a wild person. <laughs> and I, I don't want to go into the details of how he was wild. <laughs> but he loved Prabhupada. And Prabhupada had such respect and love for him. In one place, I'm just going to give one little um, grain of rice from the part of the incredible stories in this in this um, discussion they were asking how are we going to do this program tomorrow at Ohio State University and, and Alan Ginsberg said should we sing Kirtan and Prabhupada said yes Alan Ginsberg said, well, what else should we do? He said, that's all we do sing. And Alan Ginsberg said, it's, but it's two and a half hours. And Prabhupada said, well, we have kirtan, and we, then a talk, then kirtan. <laughs> and then Prabhupada said to Alan Ginsberg, you should give the talk. And Alan Ginsberg was t really taken aback. He said, me give the talk? <laughs> Prabhupada said, yes. <coughs> Alan Ginsberg said, but I don't think you'll like what I say. <laughs> Prabhupada said, no, you just speak according to your realizations and everyone will like it. Prabhupada said, you are a very special soul. Krishna has blessed you. And Alan Ginsberg said, me? <laughs> Prabhupada said, yes, you are very special. Krishna has blessed you. And Alan Ginsberg said, well, just, I did recently give up smoking. <laughs> and then he said, but I do still eat meat. I was kind of waiting, what's Prabhupada going to say? Is he going to quote Manu Sunita? <laughs> but how did Prabhupada respond to that? He was with his boyfriend, Peter, I think his name was. They were sitting together. Prabhupada said, you and your friend, you both come to Vrindavan, and you live with me for three months and you will have such an experience you will forget all about meat.
they had such respect for each other. It was just beautiful. And how Allen Ginsberg actually helped Prabhupada in so many ways. I was with Prajumana Prabhu, the partner of Arundhati Devi who was with us this evening. And he was telling me Prabhupada could not get a visa for America. His visa ran out and he had to go to Montreal, Canada. And no matter how hard the devotees at 26-2nd Avenue were trying and trying and trying, they just could not arrange it. And at a certain point, Prajumana Prabhu told me, Prabhupada said to the temple president of Montreal, Janardhan, that if we can't ever go back to America, we will make our world headquarters in Montreal. <laughs> Prabhupada was willing to adjust to any situation Never, he was never discouraged. And then it was actually Allen Ginsberg who arranged lawyers to get Prabhupada permission to come back to America. So that, that love they had for each other, that respect, although they were very different. <laughs> So we're going back to the Avalon Ballroom where Prabhupada is dancing with all these people. And there's, there, there's drums and there's <clears throat> electrified bass guitars and lead guitars and organs and everything's playing and Prabhupada has, you know, he's singing Hare Krishna. <laughs> and one of the devotees who was there, who was a brahmachari, told me that Prabhupada turned to him in the middle of it and said, this is no place for a brahmachari. <laughs> Such a labor of love. And then he stayed there in Haight-Ashbury for month after month after month. And his health went down. Had to go back to India. Vrindavan to try to recover. He was having heart attacks, he was having strokes, he was having so many health, but he just kept kept giving. Kept giving Krishna's love to everyone. And then there was that great celebration because everyone was praying that he would live <laughs> when he returned to the West. And I believe it was in Montreal that these seven devotees, little brand new born Saraswati, she was she was born from the holy womb of Malati Devi. <laughs> sorry. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> it's true. Prabhupada made every one of his devotees holy places. <laughs> and there these six devotees and the little baby went to Montreal and Prabhupada gave them the instruction to come to London. And this, it's the legacy, the succession 
of love. As Lord Chaitanya took the instruction of Ishwarapuri, his guru, as Nityananda Prabhu took the instruction of Lord Chaitanya, as the six Goswamis took those instructions as their descendants of Bhakti Siddhanta from Bhakti Vinod as Prabhupada took the instruction from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada. He sent these special devotees to London. They didn't know a single person. They had no money. They'll probably explain how they got in London. Because I, I came just a couple years after that and I know what it was to try to get in. The immigration was very, very strict. They did not want anybody who didn't have good size of money. They didn't want hippies or people who would just be like living off the society. Prabhupada had to loan them money to get in somehow or other, one at a time. And they were all living in different places and in the winters. I think Malati Devi and Saraswati Devi and Shamsunda, they were living like in cardboard boxes and warehouses, snow coming in. They were happy, like the six Goswamis were happy. Because they were, they were inspired by Prabhupada's sacrifice. That was the seed of everything we have in London now, in England. Is these devotees? They witness Prabhupada's compassion. They witness Prabhupada's sacrifice, and how gladly and happily he would give Krishna, no matter what situation, and never gave up and always had hope. So these devotees imbibed that spirit in the core of their hearts, and, that's, and they came to London. And somehow, or whatever, whatever situation, they, they would find some way to chant. <laughs> they were fearless labor of love. And they wanted Srila Prabhupada to come, but they wanted to have something wonderful for him before he came. There was no emails, very rarely telephones. Every now and then they'd exchange letters. When Srila Prabhupada came here to London, there was very little. A few people had joined the movement. But Prabhupada was just so happy. And then those devotees from London, Srila Prabhupada said, now I want you to go to India and start our movement there. <laughs> and they did. Who could understand? Soon, Yamuna Devi and Guru Das Prabhu are the temple presidents of Brindabharya. They didn't even have land or a temple. 
or any money or anything. But here in London, there are devotees who have inherited this legacy of, of sacrifice in a spirit of compassion and who found the great joy of that. Mandakini Devi. Here in London, yes, it was in London. She was Pujari for Radhalanda Nishwar, trained up by Yamuna Devi and Janaki Devi and Malati Devi. And she's praying to Radhalanda Nishwar, please, if Prabhupada ever gives me instruction, give me the strength to follow it. So Prabhupada had just come from Russia, and it was really austere. He wasn't allowed to do anything there. He was under constant observation of the KGB. <coughs> it was most of his time just in a little austere hotel room. He got to meet Professor Katowski. <laughs> Professor Katowski said, Swamiji, at the time of death, everything is finished. <laughs> that was kind of the conclusion after their meeting. <laughs> But somehow Shamsundar Prabhu, who went with him, brought one Bhagavad Gita that Malati Devi secretly put in his suitcase. <laughs> and he brought this devotee, or not a devotee, just one Indian and Russian person to Prabhupada's room. And Prabhupada preached to them for a couple days. And then he comes to London and he calls. I believe Shamsundar Prabhu brought you up to see Prabhupada. Yeah, and then and Prabhupada said, I want you to go to Russia <laughs> and marry this 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 young Russian man and establish Lord Chaitanya's mission in Russia. And what did she say? What would you say? <laughs> This was during the this was during the communist regime where you know you can get killed for preaching religion. Everybody knew that. She said, "Yes, Srila Prabhupada." Yes. <laughs> she didn't only say it; she did it. She went to Russia. She didn't know what to do. She didn't even know who she was supposed to marry. She didn't know how. To, she didn't know what he looked like. She didn't know how to find him. She was just kind of walking around Moscow trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> and now there's tens and thousands of devotees in the former Soviet Union. Hundreds and thousands. The seed was here, and the seed was. The Pujari of Bhagavanda Nishwar, following that succession of carrying out the mission of one spiritual master. <coughs> here in London, such happiness. We hear stories of devotees chanting in the streets of London. Now we take it for granted, but in those days, every day they would get put in jail. 
they'd get arrested, they'd get harassed. But happily, they continued on. Because this, this succession of compassion. And the early devotees, many are here now, they took the spirit of these original devotees that Prabhupada sent to London, they took the spirit of Prabhupada's enthusiasm, his love and his compassion, and whoever was coming to our movement at that time were taking that spirit from these seven devotees. Today, such a wonderful, wonderful project. How things are flourishing. At one time, you know, somehow or other, they got Berry Place. They were struggling and struggling and struggling to open it up. And Prabhupada, he said, "Well, if we have a temple, we have to have deities." And yesterday, we heard. <coughs> His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami saying, where are we going to get deities? <laughs> and Prabhupada gave the date of the installation of the deities and there was no deities. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure in the next few days of this festival these original devotees are going to tell stories of how they found these deities. I think the Didi's found that. <laughs> but it's like Krishna and Srimati Radharani were just sitting in a house in a box waiting for Srila Prabhupada to come. <laughs> Inconceivably, mysteriously, they came. They came to London. And Krishna knows, Krishna knows past, present, and future. Vedaham samatitani varatamanani charjuna. He knows everything. Somehow or other, Srimati Radharani and Krishna, from their eternal abode in Goloka Vrindavan, manifested a form and came to London. And we're just in a box in somebody's house. And Prabhupada went there, and they didn't. The devotees didn't have any money to buy them. So Srila Prabhupada, along with his disciples, who were totally surrendered, they kidnapped, <laughs> kidnapped them. They didn't have any money to buy deities from India and have them shipped. They just kidnapped him and brought him here. <laughs> and last night at the event, Mr. Goel, who actually had the deities in his house, and who watched Prabhupada kidnap them, <laughs> that was the 
best moment of his life. He was there last night with his family to celebrate. And everybody's giving him so much honor. Oh, you're the one who gave Prabhupada. Yes, I gave the deities. Actually, somebody, when I was talking to him, somebody said, Prabhupada kidnapped the deities? Prabhupada stole the deities? He said, no, I gave them to him. Prabhupada gives that example of the person who's really attached to his rice, wants to eat it himself, and then a wind comes and blows the rice in the air, and then he says, Krishna, I offer to you. <laughs> so in that way, he offered the deities to Prabhupada. <laughs> and then Prabhupada is personally... No one had ever seen anything like this. Prabhupada was personally did the prana pratishta, did the installation. He bathed them, abhishekams, enchanted the mantras, yagyas, put them on the altar, and then he taught the devotees how to do worship. You know, today we have our deity worship minister here, Nadarsingha Kavacha Prabhu, who's, you know, Prabhupada wanted things done really well. <coughs> and Yamuna Devi and Malati Devi, they were really the, the most, they were the original pujaris of Iskan, I think, or at least among, among the original pujaris. But today, you know, you have to do, go through deity worship colleges <laughs> take courses do all sorts of initiations and everything else before you're supposed to but here they were they oh, you know, Prabhupada said okay now you take care of the deities and Prabhupada just entrusted them and Prabhupada was so happy and, Rod, and Prabhupada named them Radha, Vlant, and Ishwara. I remember when I came to, from Brindaban, where I was going to see Radha Govinda, and Radha Madan Mohan, and Radha Raman, and Radha Gokulanan, and Radha Gopinath, and I came, and I, when I came from India, the first deities I ever saw outside of India was these deities in Berry Place in 1972. And I said, what are the names of these deities I was expecting, like Radha Kopinath? <laughs> he said, Radha London Ishwara. <laughs> and I never saw Jagannath deities before, because in Vrindavan I never saw them. They were on top, they were on a shelf on top of Ratalan and first I was like Ratalan and Ishwar, that's really an amazing name. <laughs> and then I looked up there. I said, Who's who are they? <laughs> and then whoever the devotee was said that's Krishna with his sister and brother, Balaram <laughs> and Subhadra. And, you know, the devotees in those days were just coming out of their life as hippies. 
So I remember thinking, just to attract the hippies, these people have created psychedelic deities. It wasn't until much later that I found out that these are actually ancient traditional forms of Krishna. Shamsundar carving the deities of Jagannath Balaram Subhadra. He kidnapped Radhalan and Ishwara. And how wonderful. The first temple of deities, marble deities in the whole Western world of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. Such a labor of love. And the devotees, just by their enthusiasm, their faith, their fearlessness, they're just wanting to give Prabhupada's mercy to the world. Somehow, they were they got connected to the Beatles and George Harrison, started making <laughs> records. very place was massively overcrowded with devotees joining then Bhaktivedanta Manor and then later on the, gov- the government closed Bhaktivedanta Manor from, from public worship and years it was years yes of different court cases and they kept losing and they were doing public demonstrations like the Chankazi procession. (laughs) They just wouldn't give up. And now, from that little beginning of Srila Prabhupada installing Radhananda and Ishwara, Bhaktivedanta Manor, I believe the deities were in Delhi, Radhagokulananda. <coughs> and Prabhupada sent them here and installed them. And there's that in some of the most beautiful photographs of Prabhupada are London. The classic photo is when Prabhupada's sitting on the lawn of Bhaktivedanta Manor. Classic photo of Prabhupada with deities as he doing Abhishekam for Radhavananishwara. And the most incredible video of all videos is during the installation of Prabhupada dancing in front of Radha Gokulananda and Bhaktivedanta Manor. And, and if you want to if you want to have a glimpse into what happiness could be, just witness the face of all the devotees seeing Prabhupada dancing, jumping up and down in ecstasy. Yes, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Prabhupada sent his, his most... Um, accomplished preachers to London to establish a preaching here. And they really tried. But it was not sustainable. 
And Prabhupada sent Guru Das Prabhu, and Jamsundar Prabhu, and Yamuna Devi, and Malati Devi, and Mukunda Maharaj, and Janaki Devi, and Saraswati. They were only devotees for about two years, and they were Grihastas. Prabhupada <coughs> sent them here, and Prabhupada was so proud of them. such profound gratitude, such profound appreciation and spiritual pride. He would say, the senior most scholar sannyasis of, of, of my god brothers came here and they were not able to do much. But here are these American householders And when the Gaudiamat sent people, the Gaudiamat from India was sending money to maintain them. These devotees, nobody was sending anything to maintain them. And these other people, you know, these great sannyasis who were very, very great Vaishnavas, many of them born in Brahmin families, studying Vedanta and Srimad Bhagavatam practically your whole life. And here, you know, you know, if you read Chasing Rhinos with the Swami, you'll know what they were doing a few days before they met Prabhupada. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I'm not qualified to explain those things. <laughs> But they were, they were wild. <laughs> <laughs> and Prabhupada sent them, and they established a temple, and they established deities, and they established an ever-expanding movement within a few years. You know, the temple near the British Museum was over-flooded, and they got Bhaktivedanta Manor, and it was, Prabhupada was so pleased. <coughs> Labor of love, <coughs> sacrifice of compassion. That's what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission is. A disciplic line of guru and disciple where there is the preserving and the expanding of Lord Chaitanya's mission. Namo Mahabhara Nyaya Krishna Prema Padayate Krishna Hare Krishna Chaitanya Namane Gaurakrishna. Lord Chaitanya is Krishna himself, but is more merciful, more munificent, more magnanimous than Krishna. Because Krishna is giving himself so freely. Chaitanya Charitamrita tells that the Panchatattva, they broke open the storehouse of love of God. When Sri Radha Gokulananda appeared in this world 5,000 years ago, they established a storehouse of love of God in this world. 
the love of Vrindavan. But only the rarest, most select and profoundly advanced people could appreciate it and understand it and enter into it. But Lord Chaitanya and his associates, they, the associates, they broke open the treasure chest of Prema Bhakti and they tasted it themselves through Harinam Kirtan, Harikata, and they distributed profusely without considering who was fit or who was unfit, without considering which place was appropriate and which place was inappropriate, without considering which time was auspicious and which time was inauspicious. They were just giving and giving and giving to everyone. And Srila Prabhupada was even criticized in India by certain people. How could he give Brahman initiation to all these malechas and yavanas? But Prabhupada was so proud of his devotees. In India, he would do anything to defend them as great Vaishnavas. Because they were. They expect, they, they imbibe the spirit of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They imbibe the spirit of Srila Prabhupada. And here in London, in England, so many devotees have been carrying on that spirit <coughs> in every way. And I'd like to especially speak my appreciation of Shruti Dharma Prabhu. Mm-hmm. He came in the late 70s, I believe, never missed a day of pure unalloyed devotional service. No matter what happened, no matter what reversals, no matter what inconceivable circumstances, he just carried on because he imbibed the spirit that Srila Prabhupada imbibed in the devotees who came here to London and who those who were influenced by them. It's a parampara of compassion. (coughs) And in this world, it's the principle that Krishna has shown in every great religion historically. The greatest gift is to be an instrument of Krishna or God's compassion. So Krishna doesn't give that gift easy. He tests the devotees. And that's where the sacrifice is. And it's that sacrifice of compassion. Today, Bhaktivedanta Manor, I believe 80,000 people come for Janmastra. Dharma Prabhu now he physically he cannot do very much but that same spirit of love and gratitude and surrender is actually shining through him more radiantly than ever before Sri 
Srila Prabhupada traveled around the world about 12 times. In his last days in Vrindavan, when he couldn't even sit, he was just laying. We see Prajumana Prabhu and Jayadvaita Swami Maharaj with a little dictaphone in his mouth and he's still dictating purports to Srimad Bhagavatam and translating to his last <clears throat> breath, inspiring everyone. We are so fortunate. But it takes the association of devotees and it takes learning how to appreciate and be grateful <coughs> to actually understand our good fortune and be truly purified by our good fortune. Recently in Vrindavan, Shruti Prabhu was speaking about some of his experiences of Srila Prabhupada here in London. And he told some wonderful stories, but in one, Srila Prabhupada was revealing he just did not want to hear any, what he called, gossip about any devotee. Even if a devotee was having difficulty, Prabhupada would say, he has given his life. She has given her life. Prabhupada would never forget that. To, to receive Prabhupada's mercy, it's very important that we appreciate those devotees who have have in the past and in the present given their lives to a system. Then Sri Radha Landanishwar will actually reveal to us why they have come here. Wherever Srila Prabhupada would go in the world, he would often remember the beauty of Radha Landanishwar. I thank you very much for this wonderful celebration, this wonderful festival. Last night, the Krishna Spectacular or Spectacular? <laughs> I'll never remember what it is. <laughs> Whatever you called it. Um, to see the second and third generations of our devotees. What incredible, <clears throat> spectacular talent, <laughs> talents they have. And the sincerity of the devotion and how they're, they're engaging their talents. It gives us such great hope. That legacy is carrying on. Thank you very much.
Whatever happens, you know, devotees inspired by Prabhupada and his followers, we just adjust ourselves and do the best we can. And Krishna's pleased, and that's all that matters. Thank you, Jaini Thank you, Shruti Dharma. Let us offer our eternal thanks to sh- our gratitude to Srila Prabhupada, to our s- most exalted guests, Malati Devi and Gurudas Prabhu and Shamsunar Prabhu and Mukunda Maharaj and Janaki Devi and Yamuna Devi and Saraswati. And let us offer our deepest gratitude to each other. And let us offer our very personal heartfelt, surrendered gratitude to Srimati Radharani and to Sri Londoneshwara. so bad going over time today because we didn't have to pay any extra money like <laughs> like yesterday <laughs> so this Radhanath Maharaj Ki Jai yeah.